0: Love not talk to hey, yeah. children to do these just sea islands around the world and things like that. Thank you, thank you for joining. We one more again for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. This year, the We Show. This year, the Queen quite Head, upon the Body of uh, the Galagichi Nation. So glad that the 100 children to tune in one more again to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. This year, thing sponsored by the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. And we're so glad to be coming on live in the middle of the week. This year, from St. Helena Island, South Kakalaki. We're still right here. Whether we on Monday or Wednesday, we still are uplifted uplifting to the living legacy and the pay ancestral homage. So we so glad it one more again this evening for be able for take this your time out, for give a moment of silence. For all of our answers to them will be done cross over into the next room and things like that, I, I Who've been a key? Who they give for a high soul and way away behind. Who've been a shot with one another. I and mean, we thank you, thank you to all of them. Well learned we how for do this here. To keep the community quiet. And then you think to all right, they have the had vision for high business and things like that. So some of we, we still know how to do this year in we community. So this year evening, may we take a moment of silence for them. Ashe, 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 let the church say, amen. I thank everyone for tuning in. Once again, this is Queen Quet, Chief and Head of State for the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad that you're joining us here for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. And again, you can always find our sponsor, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, at dot net. And you can also always email us to g u l l g e e c o at AOL.com, gogeeko at AOL.com. It has been a very, very extraordinary Black Philanthropy Month in terms of being able to be enlightened and to share that enlightenment with all of you that tune in from around the world. And once again, I want to say thank you, thank you to all of Hunter who download the show to share the show that then discuss the show with others, and it's very interesting, the numbers, and we know always when it's summertime, folks are out and about, so the numbers tend to drop, and then when it gets to be fall, they pick up a little, and then the winter, then a lot of people are inside, so a lot of our listeners start catching up on these, so we appreciate all of you who actually subscribe to the show via iTunes for free, or you go to Blog Talk Radio dot com slash and you tune in there and so that this way you're able to go back and listen to the shows again and again and again share them, dialogue about them. I have gotten emails from people that are even from China that talk about how the show is so important in terms of enlightening the current generation of youth, younger people, the younger generation, not only about our traditions and culture in the Gullah Geechee Nation and what's taking place now, but how we can then apply things even from the past to our current circumstances when looking at even global dynamics. So when I mention this, because many people who may be native Gullah Geechee may not tune into the show regularly, but they'll hit some episodes and then I'll hear from people, you know, because maybe they found one episode because of our blog at GullahGeecheeNation.com and they were really intrigued because maybe someone they know personally was interviewed or we talked about someone who is an ancestor to them on the show. But it's vitally important that each one teach one. We often hear that in the communities of people of African descent in North America, each one teach one, because that has been our means of survival. That has been a means of keeping the community thriving, is that those who knew something was able to pass it on to the next person. And God willing, that person taught it, not robbery, as we would say, to pass that on to the next person, especially if these people are younger than you and so that they would have some type of footing as they go forward and let that footing be stable so that they can be the ones that sustain the culture, the traditions, and the community. And so that's why it's so critical to us at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition that so many of our listeners, so many of our supporters tend to tune in and then they share with others and then those folks start to support not only the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, but also that you support the types of philanthropic concepts that we put forth on the show, not only because it's Black Philanthropy Month but all year long, to that end, I wanted to make sure that since this is going to be our last broadcast because Black Philanthropy Month only has a few more days left, and we won't we'll be done for twenty fifteen that I wanted to share updates on the things we've asked all of our listeners to be a part of this year. And even if you're listening to this broadcast after August, you can still support the things that we've talked about that are specific goals for people to focus on this month. And that was to become a member of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. You can email us to dot com. Also, to give a donation to the official 501c3 of the Gullah Geechee Nation, which is the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, which you can find at www.gullahgeecheeangelnetwork.com. All right? And we also ask you to please go on to GoFundMe or go to Google and type in Save Gullah Geechee Land, GoFundMe, to make contributions there, and also type in "Save Gullah Homes" at GoFundMe, and then be able to donate there. Well, as of today, we have—I would love it if at the end of the broadcast, there has been three hundred more dollars given to the Save Gullah Geechee Land Fund because that would put that fund at nine thousand dollars. But our focus was to get to $10,000 by the end of Black Philanthropy Month. There was a small fundraiser done at the headquarters of the Pan-African Land Network and Community Empowerment Group last week. And so that event went forward in the city of Beaufort and coming up Labor Day weekend at the Lands and Woodlands Club property where they have the annual Woodlands River Fest set Friday and Saturday. There will be a booth there. So you can also go over to the Pan-African Family Empowerment and Land Preservation Network Association and give money there. You can become a member. You can make a donation right there in person. If you're one of those folks that say, well, I don't like to give online and you are coming to St. Helena Island, South Carolina in the Gullah Geechee Nation for Labor Day weekend, please make sure that you make a contribution in person then during that event. That event itself will help with the Woodlands Club's taxes for the coming year. That's why they have their annual event, to be able to maintain the land ownership of the over 300-plus acres of land that that club has and has held since the early 1900s here on St. Helena Island. Then... When you leave there on Saturday, come over to Penn Center. We are having a Heritage Days fundraiser called a Blue Jeans Bowl. So dress in your jeans when you go out to the Woodlands Club Riverfest on next Saturday so that you can come right on over. you got to be 30 and over to get in to the Blue Jeans Bowl. Food is already included. Tickets are $20 in advance, $25 at the door. DJ Kwame Shaw of All Mobile Productions will be spinning. But be lots of dancing, lots of food and fun with grown folk, Gullah Geechies. So if you came to the all white affair back in June in celebration of Black Music Month, make sure that you come on out Labor Day weekend and party again with we and things like that at at historic Penn Center because this money will go towards the annual Heritage Day celebration that happens in November, The second weekend of November every year on St Helena Island is a massive homecoming. All right, homecoming celebration to St. Helena Island. Well, we're to get plenty. We gonna get ten thing out there and thing like that, and have plenty of things for do. But who we to be? And so, definitely, we want y'all to be here because this year is a celebration of reconnection. Well, that entire set of activities, and then Penn Center has a Labor Day lecture that goes on, and there are boots there, and many of us are there selling different items. I'm there with my books and CDs and DVDs, and there's another brother that was there last year with historic items and books that you can purchase, and there's food and jewelry and and products that people can also purchase. Well, it's very, very interesting that all of these activities that will be coming together on St. Helena Island on that weekend, are the epitome of the things that helped to sustain and have sustained the Gullah economy over all these years, all these generations, decades, one would say. We have been able to sustain ourselves as African people in North America by being able to exchange money with one another, being able to barter with one another, being able to contribute our wisdom as well as our wealth right back on our land that we own, not mortgaged, but that we own outright, and then be able to then feed ourselves and maintain and sustain ourselves and then be able to also help the next generation to come about doing the same. Well, it's very interesting because when I travel to other parts of the world or travel to other parts of the country, I've lived in other parts of the country, it's very interesting to see the dynamic shift, to see where people's focuses are. When I engage with people of other cultures, it's interesting to see. What it is that they value and how they value it, and what they will do to ensure that certain things are sustained within their communities and within their cultures, and so when I've mentioned to people during the course of this month that my broadcasts have been about black philanthropy, and while I am sharing things, I'm learning things, when i'm not on the air, i'm reading, I always read anyway y'all but I'm reading more books, and I'm engaging in a lot more books about the people who had what some would say massive wealth at the beginning of the 1900s. Some people of African descent who were coming out of Reconstruction into the early years of the 1900s and became millionaires like A.G. Gaston that you all have heard me mention and how they were still alive in the 1950s and 60s and then were in the financial position to now be a part of the political process by also contributing to those who they wanted supported or being able to run themselves or being advisors to major cabinets, even in the U.S. government, because of the position they were in, what they had worked to get themselves up and out of. And it reminds me once again of Booker T. Washington's title, of his book, Up From Slavery. And so everything, Garvey, Up You Mighty Race. These things have been mantras for many of the people of African descent who have been successful, and no doubt, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, no difference. It's always about get up from there, and it's always about going up higher, holding on to God unchanging hands, hand, letting God lift you, put you in a new place of space, but always be transformed by the renewing of the mind comes to mind when I start thinking about, well, why is it that some people would do that? and others do not, because it is about a mindset. So why is it that people could tell me about maybe almost every reality TV show star there is? On site, they could recognize them. But if I were to lay out pictures of Madam C.J. Walker and A.G. Gaston before people, they wouldn't know who they were. So why is that? What seems to be the issue? What has prevented our media in the so-called black communities from even promoting Black Philanthropy Month? Every August, it's been held for four years. Heard nothing about it. The Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network started this up to be a global celebration of African descent giving. So here it is that they started it in conjunction With the 2011 Declaration of the International Year of People of African Descent. Well, this year begins people of African descent. And how many people know that? How many of us are even taking our media? Let's not even fault mainstream media, but how many of us who are people of African descent are taking the time to use our media, that is, radio shows, television shows, and social media, to make others aware that this is. The time to celebrate us and to lift us up. So I think that if there's a more critical moment to discuss philanthropy in the Black community, we're in that critical moment. If there's ever been a, the most critical of a moment, I believe we are in the most critical moment to discuss sustainability of the Galleguito economy when people have just gone through another panic. Because China's economy, China went on a downward slide, spiral, spin, whichever way you want to put it. And their market went topsy-turvy. And as a result, they had what they call a Black Monday here in the New York Stock Exchange once again. Dropping 1,100 points in the Stock Exchange and only rebounding almost half the way back up at the end of that day. And people now are coming out with blogs and articles, and one that I read today, in fact, that said, if China sneezes, the whole world may possibly catch a cold. Well, when you tie everything that you have to somebody else's wagon, of course, if their wheel break and the wagon can't move, you're stuck there, too. So we need to think about how our ancestors in the Gullah Gisha Nation had to with anything like that for make their own wagon make their own wheels, and then repair them, too. Make their own boats, sew their own cast nets, and if they caught it on a rock or they caught it on an oyster, they could always go back and repair it. They always had something else they could contribute and give to keep themselves going individually, but more so to keep the family going, which kept the community going, which keeps the Gullah Guchy Nation going. Now, when we encountered others who their focus is capitalism and not communal living, then many individuals became very selfish, and I believe you would have already had to have that in your nature, some would say in your chart, as part of your character, to be selfish in the first place, but it also can be a learned behavior because of your upbringing and what you allowed to, quote, get away with, end quote. And so as a result of that, there are many selfish people who say they have been born or reared in the Gullah Geechee Nation, that wouldn't give anybody one cent when someone says they're doing fundraising, but what other things give, and that's where I kind of want us to think on some things that I also got around to reading today in preparation for this last episode. Because there were several different titles that came to me as I traveled up and down the Gullah Geechee Nation and went to activities and the times that I sat back and meditated in between reading about A.G. Gaston and the wealth that he built and the way he's contributed to communities and then going to the Georgia Environmental Conference and being there where what they call a millionaire's mansion is here in the Gullah Geechee Nation which was not Gullah Geechee people that were the people living there or retreating and resorting there. However, it was a blessing to be a Gullah Geechee, to be able to be there and then to learn the background stories of some other people, other ethnicities, and what it took at a time where they – came to a place to struggle. We didn't come by choice, but yet we've been in this position to struggle. But how do we overcome struggle and get to being victorious, being landowners, massive landowners in the Geechee Nation? How do we now get where people are contributing to donating toward people keeping land as opposed to waiting until, God forbid, a hurricane comes and we have another tropical storm, might be a hurricane now while I'm on the air that people are watching because of the fact that it looks like it's going to be aimed at southern Florida. And then we're reading already about in Dominica and how landslides have happened and people are missing, four to five people are missing. Well, we need to create a different kind of storm. We need to create a landslide of knowledge in the black community, in the Gullah Geechee Nation about philanthropy and our economy. Because the more that you give to the types of things that you would like to have in your community, the more of those things are able to sustain the quality of life of your community. You cannot look to someone outside your community for them to better your way of life. That truly is your own obligation to do but you want to sit back and keep all of your resources to yourself and then think that someone should bring their resources and put it into your community, that is not logical. What instead tends to happen is then you will eventually become dependent on that other community that has more resources than your community has. And we have seen this Already happened. And that is why, where Gullah Geechees came from self sustaining families that farmed their own land, many of them gave that up to go work for somebody cleaning toilets, cutting grass, and the like, or cooking for other folks, such as those who cook at Millionaire's Mansion and other places, no doubt, over the years. But now, I want you to look at something. When I say, The money goes out in your community or you become dependent on these other communities. Every board that I've sat on that is of an organization that focuses on issues for people of African descent, one of the first things I hear people talk about is going after grants. Grants can be a one-shot in the dark, but what are you going to do to sustain the work that your mission statement says, that you have set out to do. What is your work plan and what is your wealth plan? What is your work plan and what is your wealth plan? You can apply that individually. You can apply that organizationally. You can apply that in regard to a nation. So now, when I went to look up black philanthropy, black wealth in fact, there's not a whole lot of any significance for me to share with you because a lot of it is conjecture, commentary, and so on. People who make money from selling publications about black wealth and blacks uh, having money tend to focus largely on black people who work for large Fortune 500 companies in the United States. They're not talking about black business owners and where many of them are because unfortunately, a lot of our major businesses have gone out of business for the lack of support. Interestingly enough, I look up black philanthropy, and I did find a few interesting things, but I also did something that I was curious about just before I came in the air, and that was to see if anybody has written a history of philanthropy. Well, the National Philanthropic Trust that says, It's your partner in giving. That's their slogan. They actually have a philanthropy timeline that starts with the word roots, and it goes to the 2000s. So they have each thing, roots, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, 2000s. For some reason, as soon as I clicked on the philanthropy timeline on the website, the first thing was what I wanted to know. And it has over giving in the 2000. It says 2000 at a glance. Total charitable giving is 229.7 billion, and there are 56,582 foundations in the United States with combined assets of 486.1 billion dollars. So the combined assets of less than just over fifty thousand, let's say it that way, but less than a hundred thousand foundations in the United States have combined assets of almost five hundred billion, half a trillion dollars. This is their combined assets and the amount that they give away is just about half what they have as combined assets, $229.7 billion has been given away. Now, think about that. Absorb that amount. And when I sit back and I look at the list of the foundations that I see, I see the things that are given. I see where it was given. I don't see a lot that connects or relates to the African community and definitely not to the Gullah Geechee community. And a lot that I do see relates to tragedy, like a tragedy that happened 10 years ago when Hurricane Katrina was headed this way, turned, ended up in the Gulf Coast, and we watch people die on television. We watch people drown on television because the levee is broke two thousand five they have on here that Hurricane Katrina hits the US Gulf Coast and results in the largest outpouring of charitable support, approximately five point three billion dollars for an environmental disaster in one year. Now notice they're not talking about what I just said. The environmental disaster has nothing to do with human beings. So it wasn't about our family down there in new Wasn't about our family down there in Mississippi, one about them geaches, one about them black folks. What about them poor folk and folk that ain't got this kind of money to give? What about them It's about repairing the environment so that we can then exploit it to make more money and then so that we can write it off on our taxes. We have foundations. But I think we need to deal with the foundation of how we keep a community sustained, a culture sustained, and how we're funding that sustainability. In order to be able to do that, you must have people that have wealth in your community. And that's wealth intellectually as well as financially as well as spiritually. Intellectually, spiritually, financially. You must have these things if you want to sustain a culture in a community and a nation, so I looked at black wealth and found a very interesting thing that came out some years back. It was an infographic that came out, and I believe it's from summer, yes, yeah, summer of 2013. So it's actually two years old at this point. Entitled "Wealth in Black America." And a Northern Trust Wealth in America survey provided insights into unique investment goals and behaviors of wealthy black investors. It said 51% of wealthy black investors say their primary investment objective is to grow their wealth. Quote, the average age of black respondents is 50. They're still in the accumulation phase of their financial life. This means their goals are different than people who are already in retirement, end quote. And that from Linda Nolan. She is the managing director of wealth management and co-chairperson of the Northern Trust Dream Makers Forum, which then brings together these successful individuals in the black community to explore ways to preserve their wealth. So you're talking about wealthy people meeting with more wealthy people to talk about how do we get more wealth, how do we build, and then how do we sustain our wealth. And so you're talking about that middle-aged group that's in that process because they still have not accumulated all that they want to accumulate, and they're working toward it. But now it says that the top investment goal extends beyond their financial gain. They put, quote, as first-generation wealth, they want to ensure that they instill their values in their children so their prosperity will continue into the future. They worked really hard for their success, and they want to see their families manage it wisely. End quote. "this came from Daryl Jackson the executive vice president of the Northern Trust Wealth Management well what he's saying here is what i've heard from all of the elders in the Gullah Geechee Nation, and I don't mean the Wisdom Circle Council elders, I'm talking about elders in general, then with some other women, things like that, they do not want the land that they worked so hard for the house, they worked so hard to build on land that their parents or grandparents left them to now go into the hands of the Buckley and all the rest of the people when they're gone in ICOs. So some people have taken the opinion that they'll spend off every dime or sell their property even before they die just because they feel they got some trifling churn. I think that's a bad take on it. I think that we need to start from the time that we have small children, showing them how we give so that they know a better way to live. Show them how to give so that we have a better way that we live. So here it is that they say that wealthy black investors prioritize involving their families and loved ones in their wealth. 80% 80% include their spouses or partner in household financial decisions. I have nothing to say on the 20%. That's kind of interesting. 65% say it's important to speak to their children about their wealth, and that number needs to increase. If only 65% of people think that it's important to speak to their children about their wealth, I take it a step further. Do what I've done. Don't just speak to them about wealth, but have books about wealth, estate planning, about wills, and this money making, thinking, grow rich, these types of books around your house and give them books. And in the summertime or during their spring breaks, their, their Christmas breaks, put the books there and say, This is your assignment while you're on break. You need to read this whole book. There are also videos of various people online who made massive wealth at the beginning of the last. And so now, instead of letting us have it depleted for lack of knowledge, let us educate ourselves, educate our family members, especially starting with the children. And if you think your child is too young to learn, then I hope you talk about a hand baby that's not talking yet. Because if they can talk, they can learn. Because these children will sit there and mimic everything that they see on television. So if you only have them watching cartoons with clowns in, and they start clowning, Don't be shocked shocked at all. But if you place before them the material, the things that are out here, there's even now a children's version of Think and Grow Rich. I saw that on Facebook, things like that that they can read. There's Kimbrough, there's various people that are people of African descent that have written books specific. There's a book called Girl Make Your Money Grow. That, I thought, was an excellent book. That was one of the first books that I bought that started to just talk about ways in which to manage your money and then to put certain concepts that are well-known concepts just into the hands of black women in particular because you've heard me mention on this show that the net worth of women of African descent in America is said to be about $6 net worth. And why is that? Because we spend more money on credit than we retain and so then you have more debt than you have in liabilities than you have assets and then you have a large population of single mothers and so it's no doubt that a lot of moms we have debt because you have children that you have to raise on your own by yourself single income And so, therefore, you have this kind of condition as well. But there is a way to change it. There are plenty of women out here who are now successful, motivational speakers in regard to wealth building that are millionaires in their own right that have massive companies in their own right that are now speaking on this topic. And, again, you can find these kind of things on YouTube so-called for free, because somebody's paying for that bill if you got Internet access. But so-called free access, you can obtain these types of things on YouTube. So just start to make it a habit to increase your wisdom about wealth so you can increase your worth. Increase your wisdom about wealth so you can increase your worth. And then you can now take this and reinvest it in the community you see, because the people like A.G. Gaston and Madam C.J. Walker that contributed didn't just throw their money out there. They did clear examinations and analysis of where their money was going to go or you wasn't getting it, okay? And so here it is that 72% of these same wealthy black investors have already had conversations about their wealth with their children. Even though only 65% said it was important to speak to their children, 72% of the same group, how that happens, I don't know, has already had conversations with their children. So I guess some had the conversation but didn't think it was important. That's all I could say. So here it is, that wealthy black investors also focus on sharing their wealth with those in need. And this gets to Black Philanthropy Month. The quote says, I think this goes back to the civil rights movement. Many of the respondents were born during that time or witnessed much of the turmoil, so they learned how important it is to give back and help the communities they came from. Because they're successful, many feel an obligation to help those who are less fortunate, end quote. And again, that's from Daryl Jackson. So the interesting thing about it for me was, well, that's great. That quote sounds really good, looks really good on this infographic. But how many are really giving and what are they giving in comparison to this billions, billions of dollars that I'm looking at on the National Philanthropic Trust page, 229.7, 229.7 billion with a B. Dollars, And then I go and I look at this. After reading all of that at the top of the infographic, at the bottom, it says the charitable contributions on average made by wealthy black investors in 2011 was $89,000 total. 87 hours they put under it. And said 94% say their main objective in donating time and money is to contribute to organizations helping the less fortunate. Now, I'm sure if I continue to go through it and look through it, a lot of the money that they did give out of 89000 went to churches, and especially to churches or to the United Negro College Fund things that they're still attached to if they went to an HBCU or they go to this particular church and this church gives out food or gives out turkeys or does all that because, you know, we're about to enter that season again, gives out the turkeys as far as the food giving, I mean, or gives out clothing or toys at Christmas or these kind of things. This is where a lot of us like to give. And I'm concerned because it seems that people feel as if they give in religious settings Because they feel God's attached to it. And I would challenge you, if you're a Christian listening, to read the Bible clearly about where Jesus gave. So it's interesting that who folks say they follow gave in the streets, in the roads, to whoever needed. If it was a legitimate and sound need... To whoever needs it. So why is it that instead all we think about is the latest building fund, as opposed to building the fund of our people that we have a brain trust that we need to invest in? Why are we not there in spite of all of the folks around you that did live through civil rights movement? Okay, and we could go off on a tangent there and say, well, some of them didn't do nothing, then. They didn't do nothing now either. So I know that's there, but when you know better, supposed to do better. So you pray that from this day forward we know better that we need to go ahead and increase our wisdom so we can increase our wealth in the community, increase the quality of life. Invest in ourselves so that we can sustain our community. And when we spend money with each other, as I mentioned, for the Labor Day weekend, we keep our economy going because no one's short, as we say. No one's out of anything if we continue to spend money dollar for dollar with each other. If we let that money circulate 7 to 11 times in our community like many other communities of other ethnicities do before letting a dollar leave out of the community, plenty of people would be able to pay their land taxes. Plenty of our restaurants and our businesses would remain open. And we thank the city paper in Charleston for doing outstanding, special on food and including several articles that touched on Gullah Geechee foods and gave even a Gullah restaurant guide that many of our Facebook fans and Twitter followers have been sharing and sharing and resharing ever since we posted it last night. But here it is that... Sharing that is great, but do you actually then physically make it a point to go and sit down at these places or at least go get a takeout plate from any of these places at least once a week or if you're just visiting here, that when you visit that you go there to eat. I will never forget that this year I had an all-black group of folks come from a university, said they wanted this whole Gullah Geechee experience. They wanted to immerse themselves and learn our history, heritage, and culture. They are here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. They permanently live here. But they truly want to support and be educated. And they couldn't separate going to a non-Gullah Geechee-owned restaurant, just going to this random restaurant that they had seen in the Chamber of Commerce guy, from going to where I was sending them, which was Gullah Geechee-owned. Very interesting dynamic, but it's not the first time I've seen it. They could not see what I was explaining about the value of them spending money in the Gullah own owned restaurant, the value of them spending money at a gift shop that Gullah Geechee owned and operated. Most of the merchandise in there is Gullah Geechee created, okay, so that you sustain your own people and your own community. But that's another dynamic we'll talk about later on. Hopefully, on this show, we'll get into some discussions of post traumatic slave syndrome and also assimilation and why I think that has had such a negative impact on the black economy, but in particular the Gullagichi economy. So, here it is that I found a wonderful piece that I wanted to use in the closing part of this broadcast to close out this month with your mind still on giving in the community, especially if you are, quote, unquote, a black person, a person of African descent. You really should be thinking hard on this. We have a lot of other people that donate to work that we're doing. But I really call on you to give to those GoFundMe sites, that I mentioned, to the Gullah Geechee Angel Network and to definitely be a member of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition that helps support a lot of these other endeavors with Gullah Geechee's worldwide. And so here it is, I found a very interesting piece written by Yvonne M. Brake, who's a graduate student at Case Western Reserve University. And it's called Black Philanthropy. Because I Googled Black Philanthropy just to see was I gonna find anything. And in fact I Googled Black Philanthropist and I ain't find I found some lists about who the top ones are right now and that kind of thing. But that's not what I was looking for. So when I came to this it was exactly what I needed to close out Black Philanthropy Month, and I intend to print it so we can put it in the Gullah Geechee Archive because I intend for us to continue each and every year as long as the show is on the air, celebrating and helping to promote Black Philanthropy Month. Now, she says here, definition. The term philanthropy is often used to mean large financial gifts given by wealthy individuals to organizations, institutions or individuals in need. Dr. Emmett Carson, a leading scholar of black philanthropy, made a call to broaden this definition. He challenged scholars to think about the limiting nature of this traditional use of the term. This challenge and recent recognition of the unique philanthropic culture of African-American giving have changed its use. In 1999, Dr. C. Eric Lincoln used the following definition in, quote, at the crossroads, the proceedings of the first national conference on black philanthropy, end quote. The voluntary transfer of significant values identified with the self or an extension of the self to other entities perceived as wanting. These quantum of value may be intangible, as in the case of love, labor, services, or support, or, They may be concrete and tangible, as in the case of money, works of art, clothing, shelter, and the like. Such a broadly inclusive definition takes into consideration the many and varied ways people give to others throughout our society's socioeconomic, ethnic, and racial groups. More specifically, this definition allows the charitable activities of African Americans to be viewed as philanthropic within and outside of their communities. As Dr. Carson states, quote, One reason little has been written about black philanthropy is that the word philanthropy evokes images of large foundations and wealthy philanthropists, which are scarce in the black when one expands the concept to include giving money, goods, and time, blacks emerge as having a strong, substantial philanthropic tradition, end quote. And I must say, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, if we were to define philanthropy in this manner, we would have billions of giving. But we can't pay land tax with the time and things that we give unless we're given time to fundraiser for it. So please don't use this definition to dismiss you giving wealth, you giving financially. I just need to say that so that y'all don't get it twisted at that chart, let's say. Now I want to go into the next part of this paper. It says historic roots current-day African-American philanthropy is complex because it had a distinct catalyst in the people's history of slavery, oppression, and segregation. From the beginnings of African slavery in America, the church has been the most powerful institution of racial self-help in the African-American community, and that comes from Higginbotham. That's a quote from Higginbotham. In fact, In the most difficult years of discrimination and violence against blacks in the South, from 1880 to 1920, African Americans turned to themselves to educate the masses of their people, care for the needy, facilitate economic development, and address political concerns largely through their churches. This is the same thing I was saying at the opening of the show, right? Yes. And I didn't read this before now. I'm reading it to you. During this time, the Supreme Court announced a separate but equal status for blacks, which further emphasized the requirement of separate philanthropic vehicles to meet the needs of African-American people. In addition to their roles as churchgoers, African-American citizens made enormous formal, through nonprofit organizations and associations, and informal contributions during the civil rights movement. Their philanthropic gifts were the heart of the movement, ranging from participating in boycotts to helping organize NAACP events, to provide meals for freedom riders, registering Southern voters, to taking in children of lynching victims, to march on Washington, to become the first to to desegregate schools. Of course, the ultimate price of giving one's life to further the cause of civil rights was made by a number of people, including leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King and Medgar Evers. From these historically brutal years through today. African Americans have addressed needs through viewpoints and practices unlike those of other minority groups. A permeating tradition of loosely defined kinship is ever-present, originating with slaves brought over from the African continent, and I would change that and say enslaved people brought over from the continent of Africa or Africans that were then enslaved from the continent. This means that when a neighbor is in need, this person is, most often informally, given a home or food or support just as if she or he were a close relative. Indeed, the neighbor is often treated as and addressed as aunt, uncle, cousin, daughter, son, or by a similar relation title. Interestingly, African Americans consider much of their giving and serving to family, neighbors, and needy strangers a general obligation rather than philanthropy. In other words, The philanthropy is seen as giving back because one is a part of the community and it is the right thing to do. It is not seen as generosity but as an African-American's obligation. As a result, many acts of philanthropy are personal and directly made to the individual in need outside of the structure of a nonprofit organization. This informal philanthropy is a strong tradition among African-Americans. I would also say that it's an extremely strong tradition still yet alive here in the Gullah Geisha Nation as well. And I know some of my listeners are saying, well, at the time they were talking about people weren't on drugs, people wasn't stealing and robbing like they do now, you could have trust people a little better, this, that, the third. I got all that, I got you. But here it is that we're talking about all that aside. Were you even willing to potentially get a person any help, even if you don't let them stay in the house? Can you feed them? You can't get some clothes. You got enough busting out your closets. What's going on? All right? So let's not dismiss things. Let's look at the solutions that are here. Let's continue. An additional influence on black philanthropy is the variation found from one region to another. For example, in the North, during the period of migration after the Civil War, there was a focus by African Americans on helping former slaves adjust to freedom. Meanwhile, in the South, During the late 1800s and the early 1900s, many of the historically black colleges were formed to meet new needs of blacks that wanted an education. A number of African-American women and men were key to promoting education and raising funds to start schools and colleges. These included Booker T. Washington and Mary McLeod Bethune. Now, both of those people had influences on A.G. Gaston, I told you all about, and who he met, Booker T. Washington in particular. In regard to regional differences in black philanthropy, some studies show Southern African Americans more likely than Northerners to make contributions of time and money and to participate in associations. And I'm sure I I think that would still hold true um, because I have seen a difference in dynamic when I am in the Sea Islands versus when I was in New York City in this regard. And that has a lot to do with people needing to work all the time in order to pay rent, too, and also feeling that they are individuals and I got to get mine, so you go get yours, as opposed to communal living, once again. Very key to culture. So it's not just about the geographic dynamics, north and south, but there's a southern culture. And then the Gullah Geechee is a microcosm or it could be the whole macrocosm, depends on who you're talking to, of Southern culture. So now, David goes on to talk about importance. Recognizing the contributions made by African Americans to our nation's history and society is a step toward repairing tense race relations and socioeconomic class conflict. Black philanthropy was critical to the poor and played a key role in developing the first black schools, banks, and insurance companies. Now, most of you who are regular listeners know we've talked about many of those things, early schools, Freedman's Banks, other banks that started by black people themselves, the Afro-American Life Insurance Company, and here A.G. Gaston also started up an insurance company and a bank. So. These are some critical things to read about, hear about, go back, check our archives out, learn more about how to show connected. Each one, they see all and thing like that. And what we had going on the your Nation, yeah, okay. And it has been an essential component of virtually every Black protest movement in history. The accomplishments of the civil rights movement have affected the lives of every other minority group in America and set the precedent for judging the claim to equal rights for these groups. Additionally, understanding black philanthropy as being both informal through countless small and large acts and formal through volunteering at and giving to nonprofits like the church can widen the use of a more inclusive definition of philanthropy. Educating students on all levels about informal and formal African-American giving helps to dispel the preconceived notion that blacks are not as generous as white Americans. Now here comes a critical point in me mentioning the billions of dollars that are out there that are being given by some 56,000 groups, okay, who if they are not people of African descent are not necessarily looking immediately to those needs of the community because they don't know those needs of the community unless somebody sends in an application and says, hey, can you give us a grant for X, Y, and Z while we sit here? And then don't have people that want to do the work to carry forth some of the things that are part of the grant at many times. So here it is, ties to the philanthropic sector. In addition to helping our society, recognition of black philanthropy is vital to the nonprofit sector. Studies conducted by major foundations have revealed that a growing percentage of America's approximate $190 billion in annual contributions come from the philanthropists of color. Since the number one reason people make financial contributions or volunteer is because they are asked Viewing African Americans as philanthropic will promote more asking of them to give. Unfortunately, African Americans are approached far less often than whites to volunteer at non-black organizations and to give to those same organizations. A more informative understanding can promote a professional and consistent approach by fundraisers. Fortunately, There currently exists within the African-American community a greater accumulation of wealth than ever before. And with the tradition of giving back to the community, how black philanthropists' approach will affect the nonprofit sector. Interest in black philanthropy is at an all-time high. And so they go into some of the different foundations that are so interested in, quote-unquote, black giving. Black Philanthropy, and there actually is a National Center for Black Philanthropy that was incorporated in November of 1999, the same year that I first went to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland, to speak on behalf of Gullah Geechies. and so their goal is to increase giving and volunteering, to educate the public about the importance of black philanthropy, to promote full participation by African Americans in all aspects of philanthropy, to strengthen and support institutions involved in black philanthropy, and to conduct research into the contributions of black philanthropy to the local to the social and economic well-being of all Americans. And so they have a biennial event, the National Conference of Black Philanthropy, which I had never heard of before until today when I came across this paper. And so I'm definitely going to go to their website, which is NCFBP, ncfbp.org, National Center for Black Philanthropy.org, and so that I can see when and where their next conference, interestingly enough, um it's broken. Their link to that website, I can tell you all right now, I just clicked it, is actually broken. Um, so I am looking for their real website and their current website to see if they've updated it. They are based in Washington, D.C., and so it's interesting that the National Center for Black Philanthropy would be written about so well, and then to have the link not working seems a bit strange and so i'm going to keep looking for this because i think that it's critical that we do know about this and their existence and to be able to participate and i'm interested in knowing when their conference is held so that i can be able to attend at some point in time and see the work that they are doing and so I'm now seeing that the links are not there, and it very it very much concerns me that they might not be around anymore and so let's see, yeah, every link that I've gone to so far for them is not working, that's not good because their focus was on volunteerism and so forth, and so it's interesting to see that they may not be in existence. And so it's saying here that the organization has not appeared in the IRS records for a number of months and may no longer exist. That's what's coming up on another site where I'm trying to investigate their continued existence. So it's kind of a sad outcome that to such a wonderful paper that's entitled on a website called Learning to Give, Philanthropy Education Resources that Teach Giving and Civic Engagement, that this organization couldn't thrive and survive. But now you know why it's so important that I thought it not robbery to spend this month telling you about how you can help organizations in the Gullah Geechee Nation thrive and survive and help we family for step on we land and things like that. So I pray that you would make sure you go to GullahGeechee.net. I can guarantee you we're still there. And that you go to Gullah Geechee Angel Network. Dot com as well, and that you give, become members, support us being able to sustain the Gullah Geechee economy by not only philanthropy, but by a hundred children coming you for spend just a little bit of shiny thing with we. And I thank you for spending your time and your energy tuning in with me one more again. This year, the Queen quit head, the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Thank you, thank you for tuning in to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. you got some days yet to go that you can give. So make sure, donate generously, financially, and increase your wisdom. Increase our community's wealth. Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters around the world.